everyone, welcome to Buckle Up Podcast. I'm Natalia Earl and I'm a certified business and life coach that loves talking to people. I'm fascinated by humans and how our brain works. What is it that makes a decision good or bad and how does that decision ultimately shape our path and destiny? Everyone loves to talk about success, but what about the flip side? How about adversity? Failure is such a big and often necessary part of life and it's simply unavoidable. So I invite you to join me on this inspiring, honest, unpolished interview show with breathtakingly real conversations that go deep on setbacks and hardships that are part of the puzzle that ultimately lead to growth, discovery of inner greatness, and what makes us resilient. Grab your helmet and buckle up, people. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but what a ride it will be. Today's episode is brought to you by Linked, the label, conscious, everyday luxury jewelry. The designers and co-founders, Andrea and Carla, linked up to bring their personal desire for timeless, high-quality jewelry that aligned with their active lifestyles while remaining fairly priced. From the beach to working out, they handcraft and test every jewelry piece themselves to ensure it resists everyday wear and tear. All pieces are handcrafted with the same quality materials as other luxury brands, but without the traditional markups. You guys, I'm not lying when I say the majority of my gold jewelry is from Linked. They have so many different styles from modern to timeless. I absolutely love it and wear it every day. Use promo code BUCKLEUP for your 10% off at shoplinked.com. That's shop. L-I-N-K-D dot com. Today's guest is Dolly Hernandez, who represents high net worth individuals in complex marital and family law matters. She assists individuals in the dissolution of marriage, equitable distribution, alimony, child support, parenting and timeshare issues, paternity, prenuptial and postnuptial agreements. Hello, Dolly. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you arrive at the place where you are today? Hi, Natalia. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Basically, I've always been somewhat of a freedom fighter. I enjoy helping others. I enjoy helping individuals whose spouses have stripped them of their voice. Family law was a natural fit because I get to do that each and every day. What attracted you the most to the family law? I like helping people and I believe I make a difference in my clients' lives by being able to steer them in hopefully the right direction so that once they are divorced, they're able to live their life in a way that best suits them. And what do you think the percentage of the divorce rate is at this day and time? I would say, well, it depends for first and second marriages. I know that the statistics are a little different depending on the number (laughs) of marriages you've been on. I believe it's somewhere north of 50%. Well, still pretty high. It's Yes, it is. In your professional career and in your opinion, what have you seen throughout years of working with the couples that the common mistake that couples make? 
when they start the divorce process? I would say some people jump the gun. My first question at a consultation is, have you explored every avenue that you could take prior to filing for divorce? Are you sure you want to do this? Have you gone to therapy? Have you spoken to your spouse about the issues that you are having in your relationship? Because I think that you have to have honesty, you have to have open communication, and you have to have candor. And you have to be able to express yourself and say what you believe are the shortcomings of your relationship, because your partner may not even know that that's a shortcoming or an issue unless you voice it. And a lot of people bottle up so much emotion and so many issues. And then one day they explode and they say, I want to file for divorce. Well, have you explored all the different avenues that you could explore prior to filing for divorce? It's interesting. Sometimes they jump the gun and they say, I don't know why I'm here. I'm here for the consult. I've had enough. But you're right, I should go back and I should address maybe going to couples therapy. Yeah. And do you find that often that they realize that they haven't even communicated really to one another as much as they should? Unfortunately, yes. I think that a vast majority of what I see is a lack of communication. And unfortunately, if you don't communicate, you don't know what your partner is thinking. So a lot of times you hear, well... I am so aggravated by this situation. And Mm. then the follow-up question is, well, have you voiced that to your partner? There's a deafening silence. Oh, well, it's an issue, but you haven't addressed it with the other side. So how does the other side know it's an issue unless it's addressed? So interesting that it's like the common things that we don't think about. (laughs) Yeah, we are so fast sometimes to jump into the judgment or saying like, I'm done. Or like you said, we hold things and they keep bottling up. And instead of us communicating, do you find that people today have harder and harder time with communicating with one another? I see it often because everybody has such a busy schedule. So there's no time for communication, right? So people don't pencil in, oh, I'm going to communicate today with my spouse at 11am. But we pencil in a lot of other different items. And I think that if there were maybe family meetings, and I've actually, I've had consultations where the concept of family meetings have been thrown out. And Mm -hmm. I've always thought that is such a good concept. And it's typically the business person who tells you this, I have a family meeting every X date at this time. And I'm like, that is such a good idea. Because on Mm -hmm. that day, you sit down and you say, today, we're going to tackle finances. Today, we're going to tackle the family budget. Next week, we're going to tackle X. So if you ran your relationship, I know some people might think that this is truly unromantic and it is, but if you want to have a successful marriage to some extent, if you applied some of these principles in theory to your relationship, then maybe you can curb some of the the issues. And I grew up with that. My family, when things came up or things happened or big decisions had to be made, we were always like, oh, family meeting. So all four of us, like we would sit down and talk to one another and discuss everything. That's very normal to me. So let's talk about prenuptial agreements. You know, just like everything in life, I 
changed my mind a little bit <laughs> as I got older about this subject. To me, family is everything, right? Family is the foundation that you built everything on, whether it's business and your actual family and kids. And I always said, like, oh, if there is a crack in the foundation, how are you going to build on it? And when I was younger, I always thought, oh, if someone would give me the prenuptial agreement, I would be offended because then they don't see my true character, right? That they don't see me, that they don't understand that I personally would never take something that doesn't belong to me or that's not mine. But that's not always the case or always the right way to think about things. And now that I've gotten older, I've changed my outlook on that a little bit. And I also watched your video on your Instagram that I loved how you spoke about it, that it's not always necessarily a bad thing. So tell me a little bit about pros and cons on prenuptial agreement. Just to backtrack a little bit, Natalia, I too used to think that way. When I was in law school, before law school, even right after law school, I thought, if I am ever approached by someone who I am going to marry and he wants me to sign a prenuptial agreement. I don't know how I'm going to react to that. Is that a signal that you think I'm after something that you have or that our marriage isn't going to last or some other negative connotation? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times we assign negative connotations to prenuptial agreements, but then in the actual practice, I've actually seen it as a tool where if you use it from a certain psychological perspective and you change your outlook and your perspective, you actually see a preview of your life. One of the pros, I would say a significant pro is number one, transparency. Right now, you will see that person's finances, their assets and their liabilities. He will see or she will see your assets and your liabilities your expenses, right then and there, finances are a trigger point for most people. A spender and a saver get together, it's catastrophic. (laughs) It is catastrophic unless someone adjusts the behavior. If you have two spenders, catastrophic. The only non-catastrophic relationship are two savers (laughs) because they're both aligned and potentially there's no detrimental impact. If you take it from that perspective and you say, well, at least I know what I'm getting myself into from the financial perspective and from the psychological perspective, if someone is telling you everything I had before I married you is mine and everything I ever earned during the marriage is mine and everything I ever earned is going to be mine. What does that tell you about that individual? There's no partnership. Whereas if you have someone that says, I'm doing this because I have inherited wealth and my parents really want me to sign off on this because they don't want in the unforeseeable event that we get divorced for anyone, a divorce lawyer, to put an idea in your head that you should attack this component of my wealth, then I'm protected. And so is my family because my family, and I've seen this all too often, get involved in a divorce. It's not their divorce. And no one wants to be involved in a divorce. That's not their divorce, not even their divorce. Some people don't want to be involved in their divorce. So you have this situation where the prenup protects against and mitigates against those type of situations. And that's a pro. And then, like I said, you have a preview into your life. 20 years from now, do you want to know for the first time 
that your spouse is going to fight your tooth and nail for each and every item that you approved, even during your marriage by making some argument that somehow he or she should have an unequal distribution of marital assets and liabilities. I mean, I would want to know that ahead of time. I like to really analyze people and their negotiation style because it tells me, are they going to be unwavering at on some points? Are they manipulative? Mm. That's a big key right there. Manipulative people. And you can tell them, you can tell who they are. They try to power play you. They try to hone in on certain aspects of your personality. Like if you're an egocentric person and it's also interesting to me because a lot of what I do, even though I don't have a psychology degree is focused on psychology. So I take a look at all these different components and you kind of know, you kind of know what you're going to get yourself into. Yeah. So true. And do you find that women have harder time with negotiation? They do. They do. Sometimes it depends. It's, it's all very person specific. Sometimes they do because I'm a woman. I get it. It's not a romantic tool. If somebody presented me with a prenuptial agreement, I don't know how I would react. And I'm a lawyer, candidly speaking. It's just so fact intensive, like what's going on in your life and you want to start planning your wedding and you want to be focused on romance and you view this agreement as a non-romantic tool. So I think from that perspective, yes, there's a harder time negotiating because you're negotiating the terms of your divorce up front. That's what a prenup is. Right. And that's a hard pill to swallow. Definitely. And does that include the inheritance protection as well? Yes. In the state of Florida, inherited assets, even without a prenuptial agreement, are protected assets from equitable distribution, from division of assets that were accrued during the marriage. However, under Florida law, there's a component of what's called enhancement value of non-marital assets that would be subject to equitable distribution if there were marital efforts, marital funds that were placed into these non-marital assets. And then there's even more complex concepts of transmutation and and co-mingling, but a prenuptial agreement can attack those complex components of non-marital assets and inheritance so that there is less of a likelihood that somebody will come and attack those assets and say that they're part of the marital pot for the purposes of dividing it 50-50. Got it. And what's your outlook on postnuptial? Can we cover that a little bit? Is it worth it? All these agreements are very case specific and postnuptial agreements, they're few and far between. In my legal career, if I've done a handful, it's a handful too many. They're very specific in the sense that once you're married, so a postnuptial agreement is an agreement that you enter into after marriage. And these are tough because a lot of times, if you don't address them with your spouse, they wonder, are you contemplating divorcing me? Is that why you're asking for a postnuptial agreement? So then you could have had a happy marriage and all of a sudden you approach someone with a postnup and lo and behold, your, your marriage starts to go down the tube. So you have to watch it. I mean, It could be presented, but you have to have transparency. You have to be candid as to what is the intent behind having a postnuptial agreement. So true. See, I I didn't think about it that the same emotion would come up even during the marriage. 
Yes. Yes. And sometimes people don't take to it too lightly. Right. I work with a lot of women and from all these stories that they share with me and from everything that I hear is while they're going through divorce, a husband would be like, well, don't hire a lawyer. We can work this out ourselves. And then at the end, when they go through uh, mediation and, you know, things are not going the way that the wife, let's say, expected, there comes a lot of shaming. You know, when the wife says like, listen, at at this point, I need to hire an attorney because I don't think this is right. I don't think I'm getting what I deserve to get, get, or this is fair, right? So then a lot of shaming comes up from the men's side that, oh, you're taking it away from our children because now this is going to cost us twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars and it's a waste of money. And in the end, you're still going to get what I'm giving to you because I'm going to fight you. Like, have you encountered that? And why does that come up like this? To me, I feel like, what are you trying to hide right? right. when you don't want right. to involve an attorney? Right. So I've encountered that a number of times. And if we're doing psychological profiling, I can almost pinpoint the type of people that do this, right? Mm -hmm. That use these antics. And I call that the bully spouse. The bully spouse, because they're trying to bully you into an agreement and they try to even pit your client against you by psychological tactics, saying, oh, that lawyer only wants our money. You are taking our money away from our children. You are taking this away, our resources away from us. And I'm the first one out of the gate that says to potential clients, reach an amicable agreement with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Reach an amicable agreement after you do the discovery and you exchange a document. Let's sit down. Let's put pen to paper. Let's reach an amicable resolution. It's fair and equitable. That's the first concept I threw out. This is alternate dispute resolution. Let's do this. Let's resolve this amicably. You're going to be dealing with this person if you have children for the next 18, 20 forever years, right? It's not helpful to have an antagonistic relationship with your spouse, regardless of what they've done, regardless. I always further that point, but you still have that spouse that wants to negotiate terms on their terms. And Mm -hmm. I always tell everybody, in order to have an agreement, you have to have two willing people that enter into an agreement voluntarily and agree to the terms of that agreement. So if one person agrees, but the other person does not, you don't have an agreement. You need two people to agree. For sure. And I'm one of those people that no matter what the situation is, whether it's business or personal, if there is an agreement, if there is a document involved, I want to involve an attorney, not because of anything, because a lot of times I don't understand the language of right. the agreement. What What are your thoughts on that? Obviously, you, <laughs> you have a biased opinion on this, but <laughs> I always say show up with an attorney, no matter what. I, I look at it this way. I'm an attorney. I reach out to other attorneys when I deal in areas of the law that I am not well-versed in, or that's not my area of practice. I'm more of that think tank approach type person. Mm -hmm. I I like to hear the fourth, the fifth, the sixth view on something. No one person knows everything. I am willing to listen to anybody who has something reasonable to say. 
And I always think it's best to have another pair of eyes look at a contract and guide you. Apart from the issue of the cost of the attorney, you need somebody you gel with. You need someone that you can talk to. You need someone that you will not feel you're being judged, that you can tell them exactly what's going on in your life and your situation, and how are they going to help you? And what is your end goal? You have to understand that as lawyers, we can help you, but we need to know what your goal is because lawyers need to understand the client's goal in order to say to that client, I can help you, or I'm sorry, I'm not the lawyer to help you. And the lawyer can only tell you that once they have a clear understanding of what your goal is. That's why there has to be good communication in any relationship, right? right. And, and rapport, where you feel that you can tell your lawyer just about anything and you're not going to be judged and you can communicate your goals and then your lawyer can tell you, I can deliver or I cannot deliver. Right. And if they can't deliver, then you know, this isn't the fit for you. You find someone else. I always tell everyone, I never do a hard sell at a consultation. I'm the type of lawyer, I don't go into a consult with the engagement letter already drafted up because I don't like to be sold to. So I apply that in my practice. I have the consultation and at the end of the consultation, I'll say, well, you know where to reach me once you've decided what you want to do and how you wish to proceed and you know where to contact me. And if you decide that you'd like to work with me, I'll send you an engagement letter. And then at the time, I have some people who are very honest with me and they'll tell me I'm going to interview two or three more lawyers and I'll be back in touch in a week. Or you have other individuals who are trying to figure out if this is even something that they wish to get into, right? They're not sure. And then, you know, you're not for everyone, right? Not every lawyer is for every potential client. And, and then you move on and, and hopefully they, they're able to find a resolution to their issue. Definitely. And I agree. I think it goes both ways. As much as the client is interviewing you or having a conversation with you, you are interviewing them to see if you're a good match. And it's always easier to speak to a stranger and someone with that you can have that professional conversation with, with no judgment, with no agenda that just shows up and listens to you. And Definitely. sometimes even puts you in your spot and says, okay, like well, this is a little too much. <laughs> you know? right, right. Let's talk this over. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a step back here. Right. Or, or brings up the areas that you haven't thought about because people, I feel like think about the divorce as right now at this moment. Right. I need to get through it, but it affects rest of your life. It affects rest of your child's life. Right. Right. And Natalia, I always tell potential clients, the grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side. If you get divorced, you're getting divorced from someone for whatever reason, you're going to go out and you're going to find somebody who may or may not be better than your ex-spouse. That's why I always start the consultations with, have you been to counseling? Have you explored talking to your partner about the issues in your marriage? Is this something that you could rectify? You don't necessarily want to throw away a 20, 25, 30-year marriage unnecessarily, or even a two-year marriage. And a lot of times we live in a disposable society where people say, well, I'm not happy anymore, and I'm just going to get a divorce. 
well, what does that mean? You're not happy anymore. You're not happy because of you or your spouse or a combination. What's a true issue here? Yeah. And it's so much easier for us to point fingers at others instead of owning of our own faults yeah. and our own things that we need to change and work on. I also find that a lot. I agree. And I definitely think that if there is an issue and you address the issue and what it is, then potentially you may go into maybe not just necessarily counseling, but you can explore if you want to do some other holistic practices together, yoga, Pilates. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things that can be done to help and, and join people together. Right. And did you find that last two years during COVID that the rate of the divorces have gone up? So statistically, from what I've read, yes, but I personally have not seen an uptick in the divorces. What I have seen is an uptick in acrimony, meaning the divorces that I have had to address have been far more difficult from an emotional perspective. Interesting. And where can the listeners find you, Dolly? I have an IG page that I just started, which focuses more on empowerment after divorce because there's life after divorce. I know it seems like a difficult situation when you're going through it. And it Mm -hmm. is very difficult. It's emotionally, physically, and financially taxing. It's it's not easy. And I hope to offer some non-legal practical tips on my Miami Divorce Diva Instagram Mm -hmm. page. So that's a way to find me. And on there, there's my contact information. Uh, Separate and apart, I am a partner at Boyd Richards, Parker and Colinelli in Miami, Florida. And the website is www.boydlawgroup.com. And I have my attorney profile on that webpage. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for taking this ride and spending part of your day with me. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. And if it inspired or impacted you in any way, and if you got anything helpful out of it, don't forget to subscribe. It would mean so much to me if you left a quick review and shared this podcast with others on your social media platforms. And of course, don't forget to tag us. Stay true to yourselves, friends. Until next time. Adios. Arrivederci. Just